Hey everyone, welcome to the GIST Podcast. If you're tired of being comfortable and want to take on living life from the context of 100% fuck yeah, join us each week as we share lessons we're experiencing in this crazy game called life. We invite you to play along and get your shit together. Take responsibility for how your life is currently going and at the same time, take on new, fun, and sometimes crazy shit. We promise to challenge your thinking by being vulnerable, authentic, and straight up with what we're dealing with, what doesn't work, and what can. Be warned, this is not your grandma's podcast. So the, the idea behind this really is that um, you can imagine coming from an engineering background, you've probably worked at you know major corporations and all that kind of stuff. You've been downtown in Calgary. You get what sort of the world of professionalism, sure. if you want. Sure. And so we live lives that are pretty structured. We live, we have parents, you know, we have wives, we run businesses and, and there's a lot of like follow, you know, there's a certain, um, a level of freedom that we have inside of our businesses, but there's a certain level of following the path too, if you will. So part of the reason why we started this podcast was just as an outlet, a place where we were just free to 100% just be us and share whatever we wanted to share, whatever's top of mind and, you know, have some fun <laughs> while we're doing it or whatever, whatever comes up. That's the thing about the podcast is like, yeah, there's no yeah. rules here. Yeah. This is just like, except life. that one, except life. that one. Yeah. That's, that's our only rule. <laughs> no, yeah. no bullshit allowed. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, good morning. Welcome to episode 48 of the just podcast. And we have another guest with us today. He is an engineer for hire. He loves to get in and build shit. He's a family man with three daughters who all decided to focus on the arts and dancing instead of engineering. Because of that, he got introduced to another world. Talent of, and passion of the city and just how difficult it is for them to make a living. He's been spending his time fixing that problem through a Calgary tech startup called Stagehand. It's a platform that connects our grassroots artists with the small, non-traditional venues looking to book them. And so far, his platform has helped over 700 artists promote and land gigs. When Derek is not playing with technology, he is dreaming about the wind flowing through his beard as he races down the side of a mountain, or is exploring the forgotten world of vintage jukeboxes adding to his collection. Some say he's the other Chuck Norris. You might know him as Derek Manns. So welcome to The Just Life. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And you did not lie. <laughs> I swear to God, I saw you on Enter the Dragon. Uh, I know, right? It's it's super funny, and and I think that's how we actually bridged the intro over over LinkedIn. It was, it yeah. was, it was one of the more creative LinkedIn introductions I've I've had. I, I've, I've had, although I've had homeless people in Philadelphia. Uh, that was their that was their. It's like, hey man, anybody ever tell you you look like Chuck? That's Morris? too funny. <laughs> By the way, can you spare a buck? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> hey, you want to acknowledge that with some money? <laughs> yeah, so we, we connected over over LinkedIn, and in my fashion, I'm like, I, I, I really, it's such a missed opportunity to, uh, to just do it the way everybody else does it, right? The, there's a default automatic way of, in, in way we operate, especially when it comes to meeting new people, and I'm, I'm constantly uh, looking to see what else I could do. And so in looking at your profile and, and uh, seeing what you're up to and going, wow, this guy would be really interesting to talk to. How do I bridge the intro? Because he doesn't know me from Adam. And, uh, 
and, and actually make a difference where, where there would be a, the space to just meet some random guy who you don't know. And LinkedIn's great for that. That's kind of what it's built for. Yep. But most of us suck at using it. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was, my, that was my intro. I'm like, hey, have you ever, has anybody ever told you you look like Chuck Norris? And uh, how's that for an intro? And are you open for a coffee? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it, how it set um, it in motion. <laughs> And now he's on the podcast, uh, and he's going to talk with us, and he's super nervous. <laughs> we're just going to call it out. Never, never done a podcast before. I listened to a lot of podcasts. We were talking about that earlier, but uh, so it's it's something I suppose that I've been curious about. But yeah, yeah we all are time. curious about it, and 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 cautiously looking from the sidelines, going, "Oh no, no!" But I couldn't. But you actually can. And it's super easy, and we, we really, like Vern had mentioned, we really work to make sure that, that we set the stage for life as lived. Not about what we do or how we, how we typically associate ourselves or define us in, in the marketplace, right? As professionals, that's, that's what tends to happen. But as people, up to stuff, dealing with stuff. And, uh, and dare I say, there, there is a relatedness when a powerful relatedness when we uh, share from that space that actually people get us because that's us now right we, we've really put it on the table and we always work towards that so um, that's the whole uh, intention for the podcast and in just having a conversation so in in segueing that conversation how has your week been minus what we've talked about already, right. how, how has it been? How, how has life been going for you in this time that is now Christmas is like around the corner, apparently? No, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting week. We, um, you know, running a startup, <clears throat> which is what I do, um, you know, full time now is, is always an adventure, uh, trying to, to figure out how you keep the lights on, how you, oh, man. um, just uh, keep. Uh, well, that's interesting. I know. Uh, uh, how do you keep the light? <laughs> we had a light pop out just as you said that, and here I am with a doobie, so it just made it even weirder. <laughs> so uh, you know, it, the, the whole process of running a startup really is a process of uh, of learning and uh, and figuring out what your value is, and but ultimately, who's going to pay you for that value as well? Mm. And uh, the ultimate. Question. I've been doing this for for about two years now. And uh, as you as you talked about, really, we're we're trying to figure out how you provide opportunities for what I would call grassroots artists, which really is ninety five percent of the artists that are out there. Mm-hmm. They're uh, you know that the the arts is what you'd call a long tail market, where you've got five percent of artists are making you know have enough popularity that they can afford. Uh, you know, that, that they essentially can make a living at their art. Only 5%, eh? Five, I would say that that's probably generous. And, uh, and, and so, so, but yet the 95% uh, is incredible, the, the richness of talent that is, that's available out there. Whether you're a musician, whether you're a dancer, whether you're a visual artist, uh, it it's just blows my mind. Um, the, uh, the the talent that's available and that's really where what I'm doing now came from is uh, just watching as my daughters grew up and I've got one living in New York now Whoa. and uh, 
she's a dancer and uh you know, on well, broadway or, or what kind no, of no she's going to school right okay. now and uh so she does she does perform she's part of um nyu's uh second avenue dance company and so as part of that final year they have a number of performances um but uh, so she's not yet making a living at it she's trying to figure that out but uh you know, just just uh, as I watched them grow up, I saw them have opportunities right here in Calgary to dance with folks like Megan Lawson. Uh, I was just looking at Megan's website. Megan is, is from Calgary. She's now, I believe, living in L.A. <clears throat> so she's a choreographer. She's working with folks like Madonna and Carrie per- oh, wow. uh, Katy Perry. Um, she's working. Uh, she was in La La Land, uh, did some of the choreography for La La Land and, and danced in La La Land. And, you know, this is a Calgarian, and this is somebody that my daughters have worked with and would say, hey, Megan, how's it going? They're uh, in a first and, name basis. Uh, right? Yeah, That's and, cool. and um, or Brock Jellison, who's a tapper, who choreographed the 2010 Winter Olympic opening ceremonies. And, again, super talented guy. And uh, to see some of the pieces that he sets with my daughters and folks like my daughters is is, is amazing. And it just, saw, it just felt to me like... Wow, you know, I'm I. Not many people really get to see this or experience this, and that's that's too bad. You know, they're part of the. I'm not sure that Megan is part of the 95 percent anymore. She's probably one of the the five percent. But uh, so many not without other, a whole bunch of work to get to that point. Right? Uh, absolutely, yeah. um, and a lot of not knowing who yeah. you are yeah. in that mix. Yeah. A lot of a lot of discovery there. Yeah, so it's so that that really is what we're doing from with Stagehand is trying to provide more opportunities for those super talented grassroots artists to to get a start to figure out, you know, how do I monetize my art? And it's it's ironic the the parallel between a startup and an artist who's trying to become, you know, the, their own startup and, right. and monetize their art. Because you're doing effectively the same thing. In a, yeah, it's a very analogous thing that, yeah, uh, yeah. that we're doing in that space. Well, one, one has the other one happen, has the other one happen. It's it's a bit perpetual there. Yeah. The conversations would be interesting though, because they're so relatable. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You mean between you, yeah, between artists your, and, and, and startups. And yourself even, yeah, right? You can relate to exactly what they're dealing with. Absolutely. Trying to get noticed, trying to, to you know get funding, if you like, from yeah. somebody that will help them record their next album or... Uh, you know, get on, get on tour and that sort of thing. Right. And also being in love with something that <clears throat> at times feels like you can't access it because there's this need to pay the mortgage, pay the mortgage, live life. Yes. Right? It's an interesting paradox. Yeah. It is so, sure. and, the, and then the ultimate dream is to find a way to make, I heard somebody say this one once making your vocation, your vacation. Hmm. So li- literally just living your life. And I was talking to a friend a couple of days days ago about this. Like, I was like, most of us work fifty to sixty hours a week, and we, if we're lucky, we get like ten or fifteen hours to ourselves or to take care of a few things. And it's like, I'm focusing all of my energy right now on finding ways to flip that on its head. Hmm. Like, work fifteen hours a week, twenty right. hours a week, if you whatever you want to call work, make more money, and have fifty or sixty hours. A week to do what I want to do right. and be with my family and create yeah, how, my how life, life and like? right like do this be podcasting talk to interesting people I wrote down some amazing things already from things that you've said so I can't wait to, for the recap cool. um, so you've been doing this 
officially since December 2017, but but in reality, longer than that. Yeah. No, we, I would say, so in December 17, we, we launched our platform, if right. you like. Right. So, and before that, there's this concept in startups where you, you concierge. So you, you, you fake it until you make it, so to speak. So if I'm trying to create, you know, the, the, you know, the analogy of the Wizard of Oz, right? Where really at the end of the day, it was behind the curtain was some guy pulling, pulling levers and strings and it really wasn't as elegant as it, right. as it was made out to be. Right. And, uh, and so you do that in the startup world as well. You build a, what's called a minimum viable product, which is, um, you know, may look more impressive than it actually is behind the scenes because behind the scenes you're pulling levers. It's and like the stage strings. at theater. Yeah. yeah. The houses are not actually houses. Yes. But they look like houses. They look like houses. Yeah. And so if I'm a user interacting with that platform, it's like, oh, that just happened. That's cool. Well, no, actually, that was me behind the scenes making the that widgets. Happen. Oh, man, I could totally picture it. Isn't that interesting, though, that at least somewhere in our lives, everybody is doing that? <laughs> We're, this is what I'm talking about earlier. We're talking about stand-up, right? Yeah. This is one of the things that I think is so funny about human beings is we're all the Wizard of fucking Oz at some level Hands in our down. life. And, 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 and we pretend that we're not. And when we observe it from somewhere else, someone else, or someone gets quote unquote busted, we're like, "Look at this guy, right? Like, yeah. get yeah. your shit together, bro. <laughs> but don't come to my house, okay?" That is you totally I mean? how it goes. it's crazy. Well, I, I look at um, prime example. So before these posters came up today, right. this morning. Right. Now the impression might have occurred like, "Oh, wow, they they got their shit together a little bit, right?" It's kind of. I mean, I'm a. You literally put those up. This I morning? put these up this morning. 45, 45 minutes ago, to be exact. There was this black, this black paper all the way around. It, it looked a bit shantytownish, right. right? Like my story, and and I get that might not be like that for others, but um, so in in pulling the the cords and and making stuff happen and creating the impression of of something that's not actually the case. Man, we're so good at doing that. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, we got it all figured out over here. And you wonder, I mean, you hear about these successful entrepreneurs, for example, you know, in, you know, in my world, uh, you know, you're, you, you idolize the, um, the folks that have made it to the other mm. side and have monetized it and figured it out and figured out how to scale it. And, uh, and you wonder if they're still feeling that same way, you know, because you know at one point they were they were feeling like like you are and uh and is it uh, is it just you know so how different is it now that you're on the other side of that you know what i do not think it is very different i i it's a different version of it right now we're dealing with not just trying to get the first seeds to harvest it's like keeping the harvest alive right on mass scale yeah and it is just a bigger problem that you're pulling all the the dials and cords in the back trying to make it work because you've never had that problem before. We, uh, I, I was fortunate two weeks ago, we got invited down to Silicon Valley. Mm. So I met some of these folks. So there's a, there's a big accelerator called Y Combinator. And it really is kind of the, it, it's the pinnacle of, of, uh, of accelerator. So an accelerator is somewhere, you know, like we talked about uh, where, where you might go, somebody that's got an idea or the beginnings of some traction, right. and then they help you take it to the next level. And then they invest in you, mm -hmm. uh, they give you some money, they take a percentage of your company, 
with the hope that you become the next unicorn, as they say, billion dollar company, and then they then they make tons of money, and then they invest that in a whole bunch of other new companies. Right. Yeah. And uh, so they take they take uh, applications for the accelerator. They do do two cohorts on a yearly basis, and they uh, uh, they get about eight thousand nine thousand applications, wow. and uh, and then they actually bring down five hundred startups to to interview. So they paid wow. for us to fly down there, my, myself and my co-founder. And they, um, they interview you, and you get a 10-minute interview. So they brought you all the way down to Mountain View, uh, Colorado. They pay for you to, or Mountain View, California. They, uh, they pay for you um, to fly there, to stay there, and you get 10 minutes. Yeah, make it count. And, and, and you're with um, folks. You know, one of the guys had, uh, had raised $50 million and he'd sold his business to MySpace back in 2009. Uh, another one of the ladies had uh, had raised 38 million, and she had she actually had shut her down her business down in 2015 because they'd had some lawsuits and that sort of thing. And another guy was was one of the co-founders of a company called Docker, which is still a going concern. So these are you know you talk about those folks that have made it to the other side to a certain right. extent. Yeah. Uh, you know these these were the people that that interviewed us for 10 minutes and. And it's a pretty intense process. They yeah. uh, they hammer you with questions, and they're trying to figure out, you know, is this something that we should we should invest in? And uh, uh, so it was a uh, it was it was fascinating to meet those people and just be part of that culture and see all these other hundreds of startups milling around, nervous like us, getting ready for their interview, and you're in and you're out. And uh, uh, so you know the unfortunate part of the story we did we didn't get the we didn't we we. You know, we weren't one of the 150 that they uh, that they pick. Right. But we were proud of the fact that we we got down there, and and they also say that 40 percent of the cohort is typically applied once before. So you go down, you it's, get the experience. It's a process. You go through the process. You figure out, all right, this is what didn't work. This is what they right. what they really need to see. Um, and you figure what out what was that for you? More of that. For me, it was they didn't feel they didn't they didn't yet understand that this was a big enough market. Mm. That you could really create a um, a billion dollar company. I have to. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, sorry. Sometimes you. Sometimes you, words are coming out of your mouth before the other person even finishes. <laughs> wow. Sometimes I got to just think for a second. I I like disagree. What it was about it was the market size? Or, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and oh so my I, gosh. So do I. But what if what? If, okay. So uh, math quick. Yep. A uh, hundred thousand times a hundred thousand. What is that? Is that like a ten hundred million or something? No, I'd be in the billions. Calculator. That's a lot, right? Yes, it's it's a big number. I'm not connecting my zeros right now <laughs> off the top of my head here. Right. But I think that it's easy, okay? Actually, easy to create a network of a hundred thousand, hundred thousand dollar earning artists. Easy. Maybe I think and then there's some kind of profit in there that just gets shared through the investor or whatever. Now I don't know anything yeah. about the business. Yeah. I'm just saying in general, if you looked at a contract like Wakefield, easily if he can expose himself, we when he exposes himself properly, mm-hmm. he'll easily be making a living with his art. Easily. Yep. It, oh, oh, the challenge with those folks, like it is so difficult. You get so many of those artists that are living at the poverty level or are working. Um, you know, their, their art is their evening and weekend occupation Absolutely, and yeah. they've got a day job. So it, to, to really monetize that to the point where an artist is making a hundred thousand dollars, that's, that is a big deal. Like yeah. there are not a lot of artists that are making 
$100,000. So, so you're right. That's the fundamental problem is how do you get enough artists that are making enough money that they can pay for some sort of a service? Right. Uh, so that, that, that is uh, the challenge. I, bringing it back to I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And what I'd actually like to do is I'd like to delve into the model and just sure. learn a bit about what people are actually doing because I'm going to own something right now. Um, what I'm good at is looking at how things are done. Like look at how people do things on a mass scale. And then I just, I just look at it like I'm not a part of it. And I go, does that make sense? Right. And then I go, what, like, what would happen if we shifted one degree this way? What would happen? So I would love to see what most artists do and how they expose themselves and how their businesses run, how they, and how do they think as an entrepreneur or a business owner? How do they think of themselves? What's their mindset about their art? Right. So if I could learn some of those things, I think that maybe there's a way possibly, and, and I'm saying this completely ignorant because I have no idea, but I think that there's a way to maybe shift that possibility mm-hmm. and have a lot more people earning mm-hmm. and, and being exposed and, and not being Beyonce, but just walking around going, wow, I make music and I get paid for it. It's really cool. Or I make, I make whatever. I'm a stand-up or I'm a this or I'm a that. And I've got these people who happen to think I'm great. Well, if you look at the music industry as an example, I mean, it has changed so dramatically over the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you used to be able to make money uh, recording an album, releasing that album. Um, I was at the, uh, I went and saw um, Bohemian Rhapsody last night. Okay. If you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, no. Unbelievable. Like, I'm a sucker for a movie with a great soundtrack, and I'm a Queen fan to begin with, but... Uh, yeah, that was like the uh, perfect storm then. Oh, it was, uh, so it was, it was fantastic. But, you know, they, 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 they lived in a world where you can release a big album and make a million dollars and, and all of a sudden you're rich and famous. And that just, that is just so difficult now mm-hmm. to monetize that when you're streaming your, your art, if you like your music online. And, uh, and there's really, you know, like you, the, the, the numbers have to be so phenomenal in terms of how many people are listening to your music that you make any money. At, uh, at you know from from the streaming side of things and sure. Spotify and that sort of thing, so that that has changed dramatically to the point where really the, the the money to be made is often in the performing side of things. Right. But there is no there is no model, if you like. I, I wouldn't say I, I, most of these artists are still having to kind of figure that out on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, the old model used to be, all right, I'm talented. Uh, I, I hook up with an agent. That agent sort of helps me through the process of of bookings and the next step and the next step and the next step. Well, if there's no money in that anymore, how do you, you know, how, how do you get that help? Like people can't afford to help you. If I, if I'm an artist and I'm making 200 bucks to perform at, you know, a bar or a cafe, uh, on Friday night, like even if I'm giving 20% of that to my agent, that's 40 bucks. Like an agent just can't afford to do a lot of work for you for forty bucks. Yeah, that's pretty minimal. So, so, so it's so it's so that that the model is just broken, and yeah, and and what ha- what happens to your question is the 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 artists will try to do it. They'll try to figure it out for themselves. They will be their own agent. They will self represent. They will call the. Um, uh, the venues to try to get on stage, try to sell themselves, sell their work, sell their merit to be the one that gets on stage on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. But those venues, like the Iron Ironwood, the Blues Can, the you know the traditional music venues, they're they're just they're just deluged 
by these folks. So they got so many opportunities. They get so many people that, that want to get on their stage, and so many of them are, in fact, good. But but then then you look at their model, and their Wait model is fundamentally changing, too. Because you think about it, the um, they, they used to make a lot of their money based on people would come to the, 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 the venue, the, the bar, whatever it might be, to listen to this art, and they would buy food and alcohol. Well, people are not drinking as much as they used to, so that traditional revenue stream is is disappearing for them. And with you know the legalization of cannabis and that sort of thing, it's only going to get worse. And uh, so the that's getting harder and harder. And we've seen that in town here with you know Mikey's closing uh, one of their locations, distortion. Um, you know, there's a number of folks that are just struggling to make ends meet, which is the traditional places where those artists will go to perform. Did, okay, so uh, I I do I have to admit that there's so much coming at me right now that I'm I'm trying to get the notes because I don't want to lose some of the points. So inside of that, I'm missing some of the some of what you're saying. So if some of this is redundant, please stop me. Uh, did you mention people booking their own gigs, right? Like eventually they go, I don't want an agent because I don't want to give them that split, which I totally get. Absolutely. So it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. Yep. Now they go book the gig and then no one shows up or what's what's the... Yeah, so they... They uh, want to book it at some other venue. Yeah, they, they first of all need to sell that venue owner that, hey, I should come and perform. Out at, of all uh, the other people who are saying all Out of thing. the other, you know, right. Pat that runs the Ironwood, for example, right. will tell you he gets... You know, 100 emails a day from artists that want to perform. One, so artists stage. that want to perform on his stage. Right. right. So I want to come to you and perform in front of your people, your community. Right. Uh, but, people. But then average. again, there's there there's also an irony there because oftentimes the venue is is relying on the artist to bring their people to fill the right. You know, to fill the venue. Right. So there's and this, how many artists are doing that? Oh thousands they're know? no but they're they're bringing lots of people oh. to see them when they well, well that's, that, that's a missed opportunity that's also a challenge yeah. is to to bring your because if if you think of, as an artist if i'm performing on a weekly basis i've only got so many friends and that relatives that are going to show up time right. after time this is this is a really interesting thing here and i it's an interesting thing okay just a conversation um Again, so what are we doing right here? We're having a conversation, right? We're sharing ourselves with the world. And, and I actually, right now, David and I, we're elevating, we're bringing people in as a part of our team. Mm-hmm. And we're creating something that's far bigger than what we'd ever be able to create on our own. Mm-hmm. And, and we started to create something together that either one of us is far bigger than we'd be able to create on our own. Right. right? And, and over time, it's, it's a pure inevitability that... You know, as of right now, we see no end to this podcast or whatever its evolution is going to be. So, so it's inevitable that there will be a significant following. Dare I call them a community? <laughs> and and a real a community sticks together and a community supports each other. That's what a real community is, and that's the missing in these so-called communities that we live in in Calgary and, and a lot of other major cities. It's more like a maze that we all live in and that's where we exist and we're in these houses and doing it all as an individual. And I was going to say there, there's, there's another obstacle, which is a significant obstacle to mm. sort of this whole, you know, business model, if you like, that we're, that we're talking about is, is that there, there's some huge cultural forces or, or I don't know if that's the right uh, term, but there are multi-billion dollar businesses that are 
keeping us at home on the couch, right? You think about mm-hmm. Netflix, mm-hmm. Apple, Amazon. It's now, it's now. I could stay home twenty four seven and watch Netflix and and, and you see have everything that you see. Need. What you could argue quality programming to to be entertained indefinitely. So you don't need to go out to be part of a community, so to speak, right? Uh, yeah. Which again makes it hard for these venues to keep the doors open. I totally agree with you. And I agree that all these things actually exist. But what, what, I, what I just refuse to believe is that that's what people actually want. What I believe is that there's a huge missing fundamentally, biologically inside all of us. And that is community. That is connection. And we think that being at home and my own, my own shit and being at home, I like to just chill. We think... We really are convinced that that's what we want a lot of the time. And I'm not saying that that isn't value, valuable to have the choice to be on your own and whatever. But a lot of us are missing something that we never really even had in the first place. And we don't realize that it's missing. And the thing that I think that's missing that connects people to that is the, the story, the purity, the essence of, of why I am who I am, why I'm doing what I do, why this matters to me. If I can find a way to connect with somebody and grip them, they're not going to watch. They're going, you know, what they're going to do. They're going to set their fucking PVR like I do. I haven't watched a live football game in like five years, bro. So they will set that. That's the technology that exists, and I will be there Tuesday night to see this guy because I really want to hear him speak. Yeah, and 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 I think you're a hundred percent right. And again, this comes back to the kind of the the genesis of of what we're doing is being part of that experience where you've been at you know, the blues can or the iron yeah. or gravity where it's where where an incredibly talented artist is playing and the magic that happens there and right. you're there with friends and you're like, you know, and, and inevitably the conversation or what I hear from friends who who don't see a lot of live music is, why don't we do this more often? Yeah. You know, oh, man. what if you ran? We found someone like Wakefield or we found an artist you're connected to. And what if just for fun? Okay, this would be fun. We literally got, I don't know, how many people, 500, 1,000 people, literally 1,000 people together, and we go out and stand out in front of a venue, and we're all knocking on the door saying, hey, you know, can we come in there and, and pay 20 bucks a head and let this guy play music because we really want to hear him. We really want to hear this guy, man. Yeah. We just want to hear it so bad. Yeah. That's something that we have the power to do today. We really do. I mean, I listened to, you were talking about podcasting earlier, right? I don't know necessarily what the revenue model is yet, but I know that I listen to a lot of podcasts where they're pretty open about their revenue mm-hmm. and there are people making a full-time, healthy, handsome living by podcasting, by producing content, by sharing a story. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, maybe you were a little nervous when you showed up here, but I would say that you're pretty just, you're chill just talking right now with yeah, three absolutely. guys right yeah. this is just funny, this is all it, how that goes right and we're having a real conversation though about this is this is what's interesting about it is a lot of people are thinking a lot of this stuff yeah. or it's intuitive and then when, when real people come and have a conversation about it they connect to it yeah. it's really interesting well and, and and just to you know I, I guess maybe further on on this whole point the I think the problem with this industry is again you got you got the five percent which is well-funded, which is, you know, the, mm. the Netflix or the, or, you know, the, the, those companies that, that really influence popular culture mm. that can promote, that can keep people on the couch to watch the next house of cards or whatever the, right. you know, whatever it is. And then you've got this network of talented, but I would say fragmented and, 
um, you know, relatively disorganized grassroots artists that are not necessarily promoting themselves as a whole. To right. your point, to say, mm-hmm. you Very know, silent. bring a hundred people or two hundred people mm-hmm. down to uh, a venue on a Friday night to see an amazing show. And and the reason that it, it's because they're, yeah, the, the fragmentation. There, there's nobody. I use the the analogy with Airbnb. Airbnb created this completely new marketplace where if you want to rent out a room or an apartment, mm-hmm. you can you can do that. But I'm not a, you know, I I, I haven't I, I could do that today, uh, and I I've spent no time in the hotel or accommodation industry. Yeah, because you wouldn't actually know where to look. If that wouldn't know where to look, there. and I use it all the time. I go to New York to visit my daughter. Mm. And I will stay in somebody else's apartment. Ten years ago, that would have been unheard of, mm. you know. And and I don't. And and I do that not because I trust the apartment owner. I've never met the apartment owner. They might, like, you know, I have, I have no idea who that is, and I have no reason to trust them. Mm-hmm. But I trust the platform. Mm-hmm. I trust the platform that okay, they they say there've been fifty people have stayed here before. They had a good experience. It's close to where I want. It's right. in the price range I want. Uh, I will book that because I trust the platform. So I guess that's what we're trying to do from the grassroots art space is I can go down to that grassroots venue and listen to an artist who, frankly, I probably have never heard of before, mm-hmm. who I've probably never heard much of their stuff because they're just getting started. Talented though may be, talented though they may be, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so I, yeah, in my perhaps naive mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, what if there was a platform that allowed you to trust that that's going to be a good experience on Friday night? Mm. And, and, and I, and I get off the couch because right now, again, it's going to be worth your time. It's going to be worth your time. The effort. It's going to be a good experience and better than staying home and watching these sort of known experiences, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, watching a movie Mm -hmm. uh, on Netflix or something. And they're predictable. They're, They're not actually there is something missing out of that experience that has us keep looking. Oh, yes, man. that's the, I think you said predictable and that's that is the key, right? If I can if I can with confidence predict that I can go down and have a better experience cuz I can predict pretty well if I'm going to watch the next episode of, you know, Westworld uh, tonight, I pretty much predict the experience I'm going to have. It's probably going to be pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if I take the effort to go down and spend some of my money to see a grassroots artist who I may never have heard of, that's much harder to predict. So what's missing for you to really have this platform used to support the, this grassroots community? So the uh, I, I'd say the, the probably two things. One is a clear monetization model. Mm. And it, it, it's a classic chicken and egg problem, right? It's um, so one is monetization, the other is scale, right? Like if if I could snap my fingers, and to your point, there was a hundred thousand artists on this system, and uh, you know a hundred thousand uh, events that are that are happening, then I'm starting to get to the scale that I can I can keep my price low enough that a grassroots artist who is not making any money themselves <clears throat> can go. You know what? I'll yeah, I'd pay five bucks for that. And, uh, and, and because I've got 100,000 users, I can, I, can, you know, I can do that at a scale where I can actually make those economics work. So that's the classic challenge of an entrepreneur and a startup is, okay, how do you, how do you provide this monetization model that works? And if that needs to be at scale, how do I get to scale so that I can actually make that model work and keep the lights on for long enough? Because most, most startups just simply run out of money. Yeah.
Yeah, that is the problem. Well, uh, I think it goes without saying, but those of you who are listening, uh, if you have ideas, if you have uh, any way that you can support in this mission, absolutely. We would love to hear from you. Um, right. And yeah. we'll definitely post where people can find you, right? Right on. For sure. So there, there is so much opportunity to, to, to really get under community. This is part of, and Vern had already talked about at the beginning, this is part of the intention for the Just Life is, is to really build community, mm-hmm. um, to have a place where people actually feel like home. Wakefield, which it's unfortunate that he, mm-hmm. uh, that he couldn't be here today. I, I, I want him to, to meet you. He's, a, uh, he's been in uh, spoken word and slam poetry community for 20 years. He's won championships. Mm-hmm. He put a business card and a CD down and he's like, this is how I promote myself. This is what I got. This is what I got. I don't know any better. Um, so, so there is a, if, if more awareness is put out there, the ideas that Vern's pointing to begin to emerge because we've got more minds uh, looking to, to hit the problem, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, some of the thinking that we've been doing recently is maybe, maybe we're actually approaching the problem the wrong way. You know, maybe the, uh, and this is some of the learning you go through as a, as a startup, it, mm-hmm. you know, where, where I'm finding that what we do really resonates with, with our users, so to speak, is, um, is with what I would call non-traditional venues. So I, I think the traditional venues mm-hmm. that have always been presenting live music are, always, are already part of that world. And they're, they're established, they're, that's where you know predictably to go to, to experience X. Right. And, and, they're, and they're, like I say, they, they already know a bunch of artists. They've got a great, um, they've got a, got a great network. And, uh, and, and so those folks have been in this world for a long time. Then you've got what I call non-traditional venues. So these might be a microbrewery uh, or a coffee shop like Gravity that that has yeah. a different primary business model, a different, you know, Andy down at, at Gravity mm-hmm. has a, um, you know, his primary business model is as a coffee shop and a cafe, but he also offers live music three nights a week. Wow. So it's a, it's an add on, it's additive to, to what he's doing. And it's also building community for him, more people to come down to, to Gravity outside of his, his regular business model. And, and again, it, you know, one of the things that, that Andy loves is the opportunity to provide opportunities to these, these grassroots artists yeah, to, maybe, yeah. to maybe get to that next level. So those are the folks that I'm finding really love what we're doing. And, and one of the reasons why they love what we're doing is because, again, you know, a guy like Andy is not originally from the traditional music business. So he's figured it out on his own in terms of, you know, he started to figure it out on his own in terms of, okay, well, where do I find these artists? How do I pay these artists? How does this business work? How do I get people to come down? How do I build a brand for myself around that? You know, so Andy's a sharp, hardworking guy that's figuring that stuff out on their own. That's but really if, cool. But if you get a, a microbrewery that's just getting started out, maybe they've got a cool tap room. Half Hitch is an example out in Cochrane. They've got a great little tap room in, in Cochrane. And up until about six months ago, they had never staged a, a live music event. Now they've done over 50. Wow. Where, where they're paying artists out of their pocket because, and, and, and they didn't know, <clears throat> like, how do I find these artists? How, how do I pay them? They didn't know who Long and McQuaid was, where you would rent equipment uh, to, to, it's a know, brand so new world for them. Wow. All that was, was new for them. So, 
those are the people that I'm finding are really loving what we're doing because it gives them an opportunity. Uh, you know, Martha at Half Hitch is just so excited to be bringing these talented artists to to their tap room and their customers are loving it. And and so it's wow. it's creating, yeah, it's, it's looking at those non-traditional venues and allowing them to participate and create a, you know, an event or a product that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. This is such a tie into what Wakefield said. Yeah. Like Wake, he said, I like to bring poetry where, like you can go where poetry's known or where it belongs. Mm -hmm. He's like, I like to bring poetry where it's you'd not never, expected. You never consider right. it to be. Mm -hmm. And what I have in my mind is one of those, what do they call those things where people like bust out and dance all of a sudden? Oh, I, yeah. like, a flash mob. Yeah, flash mob. Yeah. So wouldn't that be something if, if all of a sudden, you know, 15 or 20 people just gathered around and then someone's there doing stand-up and then there's all these other people there and then someone just starts telling jokes, standing up in front of a group of people like they expected it, but the rest of the people have no idea what's going on or, 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 or poetry or whatever. Like that would be just so, or in a park, right? Like a busy day downtown at a, what's that? Um, Princess Island. Yeah. There's thousands of people there. All of a sudden somebody like there's a whole, a mic set up and someone's just spitting rhymes or something well right? and they they do they've got infrastructure to support that kind of stuff too yeah. so it could work i'm i'm really curious about uh the the challenge that you're having to bridge the gap between venue and artist is it because there's not enough venues um because because i'm assuming that there are many of those untraditional venues out mm -hmm. there what what is What's your barrier right now for, for getting the musicians on those stages at those venues? Is it an onboarding of, of the venue? Like, hey, try this on? Or? Yeah, I'm, I'd say that's part of it. I mean, you're, you're, getting, <clears throat> you're getting people to try something new. Uh, you know, the, the traditional way for, let's say, a restaurant is looking to bring in some live music. The, the traditional way for them to do that today is they'll typically lean on somebody they know. They've yeah. got a guy, they've got a gal that they know that's part of that world. They're a grassroots musician themselves. They've got a network. They'll, you know, and so they'll, <clears throat> pardon me, they will reach out to that, that artist and say, hey, can you help me? Can you help me bring some more people in? Uh, can you help me make these events? Uh, and the, so the challenge with that is, again, so there, there I, I would say there's perhaps some, resistance from those that guy or that gal to use a platform like this because you're you're now kind of making available what used to be a, a almost a closed club you know uh, i if you're part of the music club and you're part of the industry now you, now i'm you're kind of making that widely available to any non-traditional venue that wants to tap into the world of talented musicians you don't need to be part of that club so to speak just like i don't need to be a you know, with, with Uber, I don't need to be a taxi company. I can have a, a car and an app and, and, uh, and I can... I, I think there's a... I might have my lines crossed here a bit, but I think I think there's also like a, an ownership of your art or an ownership of, of... You get choice in the matter. So if somebody contacts me, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, for example, we're, we're only going to have people on the podcast who, have, who share a similar value system mm -hmm. or share something that, you know, that we want the world to hear let's say uh something we believe in so if if a venue contacts me or some industry wants me to be a part of their event 
I get to choose whether or not I'm a fit for that or not. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's another another element, I guess. And, you know, I have noticed... To, 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 to protecting the... If you want to call it protecting, but to, 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 to keep the, uh, you know, the essence of the culture, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I get Because yeah. I get there's a bit of a risk there. I get that. Yep. And, right? and, and I would say, you know, there's there's some initial cultural resistance where if I'm talking to somebody who's who's part of that world initially, you know, who who maybe runs a festival and they don't quite get what we're doing. I mean, there's mm. let, let's face it, we're, we're not the first company that's tried to figure out some way to help musicians or, or to totally. promote events. Yeah. I mean, th- this yeah. this is a, you know, music is an industry that's as old as history, you know, and and uh, and so the folks that are in that space, one, they've they've been living with a small pie for years, right? And uh, and so when somebody new comes along to say, hey, you know what, there's maybe a better way to do it. There, there's this initial thought of, okay, I've carved out my piece of this pie and I'm struggling to, to keep that. Now you're telling me I need to change or there's new opportunity. Wait a sec, you know, I think their first instinct is how do I protect my piece of the pie rather yeah. than how do I grow Hold the pie in general, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Usually that's the first five minutes of the conversation. If I'm talking to somebody who's a, you know, a veteran of this business, so to speak, it's, it's, there's this skepticism and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, but what I've found is once I get past that first, if I can get past that first five minutes and they, and then you, they connect and they get where you're going with it and they understand how it's different and they understand the possibilities. I've had those conversations turn into, you know, the, the conversation where you think, you know, the guy's kind of checking his watch initially and, and, and looking for an excuse to, to end the conversation and move on to an hour and a half, too long conversation or two hour conversation where this yeah. person is like, you know, anything you need, if you need an advisor or, you know, so they, they go from that yeah. initial skepticism to, uh, to I'm, I'm, I'm on board, man. There's so much here. I know so we got to wrap this up because I want to ask you like, Cause there's something that takes something for you to be willing to have the conversation and then push through those awkward, you know, five minutes. So you can see the other person's, you know, physiology is all messed up and shit. Cause they're going, Oh my God, what's this guy want or whatever. You got to get through that part. Right. And then, and then finally get them enrolled. Right. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, man. It's fascinating. Um, I know David's going to wrap us up here pretty quick, but I also, this is a new thing. I like, we have this segment that we're trying to introduce. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's great. Uh, what did I call it? Finishing thoughts or? I can't remember. Do you remember? There, there was, there's just so much that happens during the podcast mm-hmm. and there was, especially in the beginning, just in the first 10, 10, five, 10 minutes, there was so much gold in there. I was like, oh my word. Like the, the conversation can go in so many different directions. So in the interest of, um, my own selfish. Um, he just likes to hear himself talk. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and there's some things to think about here. So um, <clears throat> just to, to start from the, the top, I like to acknowledge David for that unique intro. Like, this is what I mean. For people might have not heard that part. I heard somebody say recently, be where other people are not. So other people are not reaching out to you on LinkedIn and saying, hey, man, you look a little bit like Chuck Norris. And by the way, do you want to grab a coffee? Like, yeah, totally. You could have been thinking, like, is this guy trying to hit on me? Like, what the hell's going on here? I, I don't get it. I've heard about this on LinkedIn. So, uh, But that's so cool, man. And and now he's on your podcast. Like, it's yeah, just yeah. so cool. Well, so, that's how quick it can go. Right? So for people listening, maybe if you continue to do the same things and expect a different result, 
that was Einstein's definition of insanity, after all. Um, <clears throat> what did I what did I write here? Sorry, this is a little choppy. Um, make it, make, yeah. So I'm just thinking about this whole idea where where people can can make money doing things that they they enjoy, and this is this goes way back to something we heard Gary Gary V talk about, where he's like, if you really love the thing that you're that you love, you can make a hundred grand a year at it, and and maybe it's not oh, well, there's not very many people doing that. Maybe it's looking at, well, how are all those people doing that? And how does this whole industry work? Or how does that whole thing go? And, and just changing your thinking around it a little bit. Uh, and and what, I, what I was getting at with that, now I'm re- remembering my frame of thought here, the difference between that top 5% that you were talking about and let's say the next 20% or whatever, it's such a fine it, it wouldn't line. take much it's like a for a lot of those people it's like the cfl for example yeah. people like scoff at the cfl a lot there's so many guys in that league that could be playing in the nfl for example but it's just like it's just that one exposure that one thing that happened that one injury injury whatever there's something there that that that's a sliver that keeps them from the top you know the, the yeah. top level right so interesting uh, and then I, I mentioned this earlier, but just the fact that we all think we're so special and unique, right? <laughs> but those internal battles, those struggles that we have, whatever they are, they're all different, but they're all the same. It's all a part of being a human being. So you're not weird. You're not crazy. If you think that you are, we're all having that stuff. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I don't know. I don't feel like getting out of bed. Today. Whatever your thing is, man, we're all dealing with it. This part I love. What I'm getting more and more clear about in my life is that people love real stories. People love to hear what matters to you. How did you get here? I go to see a show, and what's interesting about it is I love the show, but I'm more interested in how the show happened than the show itself. I really am. Well, and and, and just a quick aside on that. What I find, uh, you know, when I go and listen to a performance or a musician, I love the stories between the songs. You know, I don't. Mm, yes. I, I don't yes. necessarily. I, I mean, I love the songs as well, but I'd love a little context on well, that. Well, it creates song. a, a like, richness what, what, to it. Yeah. Like, what yeah. were you thinking? Where, where were you at when you wrote that song? Right. And then to me, I'm now drawn into the performer's world. Right. And I think that's a uh, that's an art that could be taught in this space as well. Is tell me a little story and then play that song for me don't just play song 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 exactly and this is this is something you said earlier about you were talking about the things that people deal with when they quote unquote get to that other side of being successful Mm -hmm. and what i think is interesting about that is regardless of what your life looks like you're as far as we know you're still a human being Mm -hmm. and they're still dealing with human being stuff and i'm reminded of something that uh, a coach put into my world a few months ago he said do you agree or disagree that even if you had a billion dollars, you'd still have problems? Are your problems going to go away? I go, no, problems aren't going to go away. He goes, right, but would your problems be different? I said, yeah. He goes, so start thinking in terms of whose problems do you want? Because you're always going to have some kind of a problem or a situation that you're dealing with, right? Uh, And then one more thing about stories. You were talking about, we were talking about this earlier, and I was reminded of something that I heard Tony Robbins say, is a a lot of times that uh, what happens is, um, what did he say? The most important things, there's three elements. He said something like strategies, resources, right? And then he said, the other thing is a story. You bring your story with you. 
So he goes, a lot of times people have to change their story. Because whatever their, whatever their story is, I don't know what story you're telling yourself or what story you're telling other people. But sometimes when you change the story, i.e. the purpose, it'll change the result. Right? And then I was just going on this big thing about enrollment and community and compassion. Like Those are the things that are missing, I find, even when you look at a, a quote-unquote society or you know evolved people like us here in Canada there's no enrollment man in politics or in community in our and there's no enrollment everyone's misunderstood there's no community right we're all concerned about our own shit and we got to realize that everyone's concerned about the same shit so why don't we help each other with that stuff <laughs> instead of being like fuck you I need mine right compassion have some compassion what about these artists if they're sharing their story it's a love story it's like, man, I've got this mistress that I can't reach mm -hmm. because it, and it's all of you actually. I want to give this to you. Mm -hmm. Where's there's people have compassion. Like, oh my God, I want that person to be able to produce more of that. I will show up. Anyway, I could go on and on. I love this segment. It's longer than I thought. So well, you, you nailed on a lot of things, and, and Derek, maybe I'll just uh, leave it with you. You got like, um, give you a couple minutes. Like, what are you taking away from this as a uh, is there something that's coming out as a potential thing to do? I'm curious because there's been a lot talked about here. Well, I mean, it's always encouraging for me to get some validation to say, you know what, you're not crazy. There's, uh, there's some, there's something here. Uh, and just like that we happens a lot about, with us, <laughs> just like we were talking about earlier with the, the idea of podcasts, you know, I love this and I could, mm. I could, you know, spend, so much time learning and, and, and I'm, but behind, behind the scenes, I'm trying to figure out how do they make that sustainable, you know? And, um, and, and, and maybe the model is just, it's a, you know, again, like you folks are, you've got day jobs and this is a passion for you and something you do on a Saturday morning. Maybe that's ultimately what the model is for these type of podcasts, but it's, I'd love to think that there's, there's something more sustainable. So you could, you know, Vern, do this, do more of what you love doing on an ongoing basis. And, uh, and so that's part of the, you know, the, the search, if you like the, you know, what we're trying to figure out is how do you, you know, from an artist perspective, how do you, how do you make that sustainable? So it's, it's, like I say, it's encouraging to hear that people buy into the, you know, the, the, the vision, if you like the, uh, the search to, to, to figure out how, how you do that. Mm. We've got some ideas, some, some things that we're actually quite excited about right now that we haven't even talked about uh, that, that I think could provide some new opportunities that really are, um, you know, it, it relates to the non-traditional venues. It relates to um, bringing the art to places where people already are mm. and, and, and how we've seen that create surprisingly great experiences mm -hmm. but I didn't have to but I didn't have to go through all the struggle to try and get those people to come down to that venue mm. on Friday night because you know what they were already at this place and and now what I did is I just made their experience a little bit better and um, uh, you know maybe that's a, a topic for another time but it's mm. uh, but that that's a bit of a paradigm shift that, that we've been going through and in, and in doing that finding ways to, to you know unique ways to monetize that for the artist yeah and like i said we've done some we've done some we've learned some things very recently about you know some surprising things that's one of the things that y combinator asked us is what what 
what has really surprised you about your journey over the last two years? And I, and I have to confess that probably up until two or three weeks ago, I've had some things, but nothing that really totally surprised me. And then I've, you know, like I say, we've, uh, you know, I can leave it as a bit of a teaser, but there's been mm. some, uh, there's been some things recently that have surprised me about, uh, about what I've found with artists and public performances and non-traditional venues and the opportunities that that can create. So where can people find you? You can find me at uh, Derek at stagehand.app. That's my email address. Um, uh, our, our URL is uh, www.stagehand.app. So uh, that's the either way. I'm, I'm, I'm a little older than, uh, than some, so I'm not as much of a social media. Uh, I, I don't live on, on Twitter and, and that sort of thing. So you're, you're probably better to find me at Derek at stagehand.app. Awesome. And that's dot app, like app. App. It's yeah. a new. It's a new uh, cool. uh, domain for. You Google. say you're look. You're a bit older, but you're ageless <laughs> like Chuck Norris. Oh, this is really great. And there are uh, artists that are are listening. I have no doubt uh, because it's happening for me. Is like there are ideas. There are things that. Uh, that we can all bring to the table to really move all of this forward. You know, we all know those aspirational artists in our world. Uh, you are likely one of them. You might have a story that you not that you're not one of them. And uh, at the end of the day, what will have this work is community rallying around one another. And and what will have community rally around one another is for the community to begin to have a voice. And what will have a voice is when you begin to talk about it, uh, and the concerns, the opportunities, uh, things that aren't working. And so uh, the, the stage is set. And if you have something that you'd like to share and contribute, uh, leave a comment at, at the end of the podcast, send us a message, say hi at thegist.life, uh, reach out to Derek directly. Uh, th- this is something that I will be having a, a pulse on for sure. I don't, I don't know if I told you this before, but in Vancouver, I had also explored something like this. Um, so while I'm not a musician, I have a, a deep appreciation for the craft and the story and the journey and, uh, and in telling the story and experiencing the journey, that's the magic. And that's, that's, uh, that's clear. We need more of that. And so there'll be some connections bridged and man, I don't know where it's going to go, but um, we'd love to have you come back and, and talk a little bit more about something a bit more uh, pragmatic for the artist to begin to unravel and with Wake as well, to have him on, on the podcast, to unravel how to tell the story, how to really put it out there. Um, Because at the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter if you're on social media. What matters is if you're willing to tell a story. And all the tools are there and then you just get it out there and, and start to begin begin the, the process of telling the story uh, but that that was episode 48 of the just life podcast thank you so much for listening we'll see you again next week